0: On this episode of industry relations, Rob and I discuss what brokers need to do post commission lawsuit apocalypse. Let's go. This is industry relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson.
1: Hello everyone. And welcome to another episode of industry relations with Rob and Greg. Uh, today's our no hat day, and this is your co host, the notorious Rob. And with me, as always, the fabulous Greg Robertson, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Christ, how the hell are you?
0: All right, I was just I got a haircut and I know put some product in there. It's not really, it's kind of going a little wonky here that I didn't shave.
1: Yeah, I I I mean, the the not shaving thing I can't speak to, but the hair thing you just pissed off a big chunk of our audience who's just like. (laughs) <laughs> Screw you. At least you have hair. I mean, I think, I you know. The
0: last few podcasts we've been like, it's been started with like my appearance. And <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good thing. <laughs> so, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, God bless you because yeah. you're yeah. not missing anything here.
1: event, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here we are in the uh, the summer has begun and, uh, you know, things are a little, a little slowing down a bit, but there's still plenty to talk about. Yeah, yeah and uh I think in the in the pre-show is because I've got this webinar I'm trying to put together you know and you are kind enough to say let's talk about post-apocalypse real estate <laughs> <laughs> it somehow has become like a sub theme of ours like post-apocalyptic you know
0: yeah I think you know when when the asteroid hits what happens right um we've had we, that kind of thing but what is what is the day in the life of an agent or broker right, right. post a Post things going awry, and I guess if we want to talk about this, I I think you should define what you mean by that, because, um, you know, there there's there's scenarios where NAR NAR doesn't exist or right, but they exist but under this or I mean, what pretense are you saying? What is the apocalypse here? What what are you describing as the apocalypse?
1: So I think maybe we start with that. Like, let's just define the apocalypse, because I think you and I have slightly different viewpoints. on, And I'm like, you I think? could be wrong and I'd be happy to be wrong. Um, for discussion purposes, I think it's most interesting to talk about like the worst case scenario, but maybe that's not the really valuable thing for this. Cause I think the valuable thing here is no one has any idea what's going to happen. Like I don't have like you know what I mean? Like we have some clues, like educated guesses, but it's not like anybody knows exactly what's gonna happen, right? Because yeah, I
0: feel that our our kind of understanding of things has, has evolved yeah. with like insurance matters and you know those kind of things too. Right, so um right. yeah. Okay.
1: Right. So with that said, I mean, I think there's there's one key thing, right? And the key thing's gonna be Let's say from the Sitzer lawsuit, right, the Burnett case out of Missouri. Right. Um, first of all, we have to go with, if there's an apocalypse of any kind, the plaintiffs win. If NAR defendants win, there's no apocalypse whatsoever, right? Right. I mean, let's just start there. So for anybody to care, for to anyone to be concerned, we have to say, number one, the plaintiffs win. Right. Okay, so they won. There's billions in damages. Okay. But the second piece is the injunction, right? We know that the court will issue some sort of an injunction. And the question is going to be, will it be sort of a soft injunction or a hard injunction? Let me define that. A soft injunction would be something like, hey, NAR, you have to get rid of this mandatory compensation rule, right? So, you know, you can no longer require that brokers agents put in an offer compensation, even if it's only a dollar. You can't require it. Uh, it just has to be optional, right? right? That's one. That's the softer version, Okay. The harder version would be one where the court says, uh, actually, sharing commissions at all is prohibited. So sellers and seller's agents may not pay the buyer's agent. That would be the hard injunction. And I I bring that one up because, you know, as my theory has always been, this case is all about steering. This case is all about, do buyer agents steer consumers, their customers away from properties that don't offer you know, quote, enough compensation, right? So in order to deal with that, the court could say, you know, here's the injunction. Not only is the mandatory rule gone, but you are not allowed to share commissions. In other words, you have to pay your own agent.
0: Right, right. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a stretch because I, I think they could put things in like a buyer, you know, exclusive agreement that would be very clear and signed that made sure that they totally understood that. I mean, I don't think you need to, I don't know if they'd go all the way there if there wasn't already, if there was tools that could manage that, right? But um, I I see what you're saying, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, if that's, so let's start with the soft one, okay? If it's a soft injunction apocalypse, what happens? So, I'll just throw the question at you. Soft injunction, mandatory requiring compensation is gone, but optional compensation is still okay. What do you think happens?
0: Yeah. So I think we're already kind of living in that world a little bit, right? Where or some MLSs let's, you know, Northwest MLS is an example. Yep. Everybody's been kind of moving to that with the disclosures, you know, IDX feeds having the disclosing the, the, the compensation. Yep. Um, Nothing is blown up at Northwest MLS that we know of. Yep. Um, I still think that, you know, I still think that that, that there is going to be a lot more increased transparency. So I do think um, that there will be more of these exclusive buyer contracts. In fact, I'll, 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 a real quick story, and I don't know if this is because of us or others, but I was uh, speaking at uh, Annie Ives, uh, the MLS Claw Summit. They, she does mm-hmm. one every year. And before me was a uh, Charlie from NAR and I watched his presentation Charlie uh, was it
1: Lee maybe is he one of the NAR legal
0: yeah and okay. he was okay. he had a he had a slide on why he thinks it's very smart for for agents to start thinking about buyers exclusive exclusive agreements right and in some states are already required so we already know that um I, I think the I think the I think the soft injunction, I think we take it on the chin and I think we're, we're, we're gonna be okay. I think so far we've been moving in that direction. I think that's where everybody thinks it's going. And I'm not you know, and I think that uh, having more transparency is going to be good for the industry. So I think it's a good thing. Um, I don't I don't see much do I think the larger question is I think there will be a compression on commissions. The bigger question is, and this could be our next stake back, bet, is how what does that compression look like? And you know what? I just I don't think it's gonna be as radical as going down to two percent or three percent. Um, I think it'll be it'll maybe take another half percent out, maybe 75%, you know, a out. But um I don't think it's that much if I was going to be a betting man on in that situation.
1: Let me just, just take a step back. So let's just explore the soft injunction scenario, right? So soft injunction. So now every MLS basically becomes Northwest MLS, right? I mean, that's essentially what we're talking about. Like you, you're no longer required to offer compensation, but you may. Something along those lines, right? And I think Northwest says, like the seller has to clearly say, hey, you know what? I'm offering compensation. Something along those lines, Right. Plus, to your point, all the buyer agents now run out and say exclusive buyer agency agreement. If the seller doesn't pay me two and a half percent, then you, Mr. Buyer, you're going to make up the difference to me, something like that. Right. Okay. I guess my first question in that world, do you think anything really changes? Like you talked about commission compression. Why? Why would it, why would it change?
0: Well, presumably, there's a lot of news about this, right? I mean, like the tobacco case, right? I mean, and consumers become more aware of this situation where before, you know, the industry kind of just, you know, sweeping it under the rug a little bit, and it was a little bit of a shell game. Now they're more aware of it. And because that increased awareness, um, and I guess, you know, in some cases, it's a class action. So, There'll be letters that'll be sent out and everything else. Sure. sure. That that is gonna give the consumer a bit more information to say, oh, you know what? I you know, I, w- I really wasn't aware I could I could negotiate. So I mean I think that that awareness itself is going to to cause people to cause consumers to kind of ask those questions for sure.
1: So let's just play that out. So in your mind then it looks something like this, right? The buyer agent, hey, you know, I'm looking to buy a house, right? I meet with you for coffee. I explain what I do. I'm this, whatever. Let's get to know each other, and please sign this uh, agreement where you agree to pay me two and a half percent if the seller doesn't pay the full, you know, pay the two and a half percent. Is the thought that the buyer would then at that point go, "Yeah, man, I'm not paying you that much." Do you know what I mean? Like, does the buyer push back? Like, what? How do you think that plays out?
0: Yeah, I, you know, and I've always had a problem with this because, I, at a fundamental level, this lawsuit is 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 kind of just rubs me the wrong way, because consumers now have a choice already. They can go to brokerages that they can get different commissions and, and do different things. Right. So it's like we have the choice is there now. Right. Um, so, you know, whether, you know, I think, I, I, I do think they're going to ask for it and a good agent is going to kind of show them their, what they, why they think they're valuable in that, why they should get that full percentage and they're going to get it a lot of times they might cave i mean lesser agents might cave um, and then i still think there's going to be other solutions hey if you really want that type of service go to fred down the street he has a i don't do that but fred down the street has a discount brokerage where he'd be happy to help you in those kind of things but i provide full service so um yeah i think you know it's, so it's i think it will work out in that that kind of sense i think they'll, they'll they're probably just going to have to you know and we've talked about this before of just you know, dust off their chops as far as like, you know, demonstrating and verbalizing and communicating their value.
1: So if, if that's the case, then it sounds to me like you think really nothing's going to change.
0: Well, I didn't say that. I just told you, I think that, you know, there's going to be more, I think that the consumers are going to be more emboldened to, where they weren't in the past to kind of ask those questions. Why is, can can I negotiate this? I I think I don't want to pay this. I mean, I think that's, that's a change. That's not like nothing really is going to change.
1: Here's the question. So the, basically the buyer is sitting at Starbucks, talks to the agent and says, yeah, man, I'm not paying you 2.5%. In other words, I'm not signing this exclusive buyer agents agreement where I'm committing to 2.5%. So don't push back and say, look, I'll, I'll, I'll do 1%. I'll do half like something along those lines. And that's where you see the commission compression coming? Like, I'm just trying I to think how you I see it.
0: I think in some cases, yes. And I think in some cases, no. I think in some cases, you know what? Uh, how about we, we meet in the middle, right? Or some agents might take a hard line. Like, listen, no, this is what I'm worth. And if the guy mm-hmm. goes, well, I'm not going to sign unless you go with this. It's like the, the consumer is going to say, well, there's, you know, I know five real estate agents. Thank you very much. I'll go to the next real estate agent. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they're just going to be a little bit more emboldened. And I think that emboldenness, if that's a word, um, will cause them to give them some sort of courage or, you know, it'll embolden them to go on and say, you know what, the confidence I should say to go to the next agent. Where, where now it's like, I think it's just so hidden in a sense, again, not a good thing, um, that they don't really realize they have that kind of power. Hmm. Okay. And I th- I don't know that I don't know if that I think that's a thing that happens over time right mm-hmm. I don't think month one after this thing it happens I think well that's what it I'm wondering just, though
1: yeah soft injunction happens boom right okay now immediately every buyer agent you meet is going to go please sign this exclusive buyer agency agreement right and here's what I'm thinking about Greg because you and I have talked about this the big fear that everyone has is you're going to somebody to say pay up at the exact moment. They have the least amount of cash they, you know, like ever in their lives, right? Because the down payment. So we're talking about situations, especially like if you're a repeat buyer, maybe, you know, you have some cash, but every buyer is like trying to maximize the amount of down payment so they take on the smallest amount of mortgage or. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they want to qualify, right? For a but I mean, loan. it's
0: still the, the mechanism of how that money gets paid. I think is going to stay the same, right? It's going to be wrapped up in the mortgage somehow, right? So, um, that's at least what I'm assuming, and everybody I'm talking to says that fi- finance, the finance guys are going to figure out a way of either at the closing costs or whatever that that gets rolled in the mortgage. So, it's not like they are cutting a check per se,
1: right? No, but, but that's specifically the issue, right? That NAR is lobbying right now. Right to have Fanny and Freddie include buyer, like to allow the buyer commission to be financed. Right, right now, that is not possible. Well,
0: okay, but they could call it. I mean, from what I when I was reading, something Sony was publishing that they could call it something else at the at the closing table, a um, not a commission, but a, another term that basically would act in the
1: same way. Right. Uh, that that sounds like a real iffy. No, yeah, okay. like right. Because if the exclusive buyer agency agreement literally says, you, Mr. Buyer, will owe me this commission, right? Without a change in the rules, that's not going to be financeable today. Now, you're right. If NAR is successful and they go and convince Fannie and Freddie and FHFA and whoever, hey, allow buyer commissions to be financed, then, yeah, then that, that, that issue at least goes away. Right now, the fear is that the buyers will be like, hey, man, you might be worth 2.5%, but I I don't have that kind of cash. I just can't afford yeah. it.
0: I, I just, right? I again, I cannot imagine if the if this is what happens that they don't somehow allow that ask to go through because now you're getting into banks' pockets, right? If, if they're going to say, no, from now on, the buyers have to pony up that cash when they didn't have to, There's the the more, I mean, we all know this in the, in the, in the real estate industry, all the money's made on the mortgage. And when you start threatening that shit, I mean, I think, yeah, now you're really, you're bringing out the guns, right? So I I just can't believe that'll be a situation where this, this kind of soft injunction, you know, lands and they don't have a a way, the banking system and the, the government don't have a way for them to still finance that.
1: Um, that buyer commission. If I'm a bank, why do I care if you are using a buyer agent or not?
0: Well, I mean, it's just about getting, getting, you know, getting the commerce done,
1: right? I mean, no, I know you're you're talking about a shot. If I'm the bank, though, it could be like you don't have to use a buyer agent; just go buy it.
0: Right, but I mean, if if you still have, I mean, again. You know, I think there's an inertia with how the the business has been done with buyer agents and sellers agent and everything else. I don't think it's like really feasible that right out of the gate a consumer is just going to go out there and like ta-da! Now I'm empowered to do everything.
1: Right? I mean, that there's just oh, no. Of course, I agree. Uh, I, no, I'm agreeing, but my I guess what I'm wondering is okay. Soft injunction. But you and here's the thing, and this is the missing piece. We don't if NAR is successful in having the rules changed where banks would finance buyer commissions, great, like fine. I'm saying, but it's gonna take some time. So talk about longer term. Lawsuit comes down, softening junction is in place. It's gonna take some time before the banks and the finance system and all those guys agree, okay, here are the new rules. I mean, it could take a couple of years.
0: Yeah, right? but it could take a couple of years for even this, if this lawsuit goes through to like, you know, still happen. Right. So I think, you know, there's going to be there's going to be a appeal. There's going to be this and that. I think, you know, I don't think it's going to be that far off a of timing that they get this stuff done in time for this apocalypse to happen.
1: If it happens. Oh, wow. Uh, do you think soft injunctions just figure it gets ignored, or you just figure it'll be stayed? Yeah, it gets appeal.
0: appealed. It gets appealed, okay. right? So, so
1: it gets appealed, stayed. So no one's really going to do anything different for the first. Right. And,
0: then, and then NAR can still march forward on getting that that thing done. rule so, changed.
1: Okay, right. So you're because because on, I
0: mean that it makes sense in a sense because they don't want to disrupt their members' lives either, right? So it's like you know maybe they're going to be even more likely to settle or whatever they do if those things are in place, okay, well, now that you can do this, it's not going to be as big a deal as we thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's proceed and, and stop this stalling or whatever else. Right. I mean, whatever. I, okay. I, we're okay. extrapolating a lot here. Right. So okay.
1: yeah. Okay. So then really it doesn't change if it's a hard injunction either. because that I'll also get appealed and stayed and so on.
0: But, but again, it, like, that's what I get to. It's like at the beginning. And again, there's models right now where you can just, you don't have to use, You know, you can pay less commission and everything else. And then if you're, if we're extrapolating here that nothing really changes after this lawsuit, I mean, I think the change is there's more transparency, which is a good thing. And I think we, if we needed somebody to kick us in the ass to make that happen as an industry, absolutely. Yeah. But but, uh, I mean, why, fuck What are we going through then? What's the, where's the pony here?
1: Exactly. Greg, if it's just about, well, if we do this, nothing really changes except more transparency. I can't imagine NAR and all these guys are going to fight it that hard. So the expectation, the great fear is if anything happens, then vast majority of buyers will stop using a buyer agent. I mean, I think that's the great concern, right? Because if you look at other countries, Australia, UK, you know, whatever, that the government and those lawyers always cite other countries, they don't use buyer agents, right? Buyers aren't out there hiring agents to help them. They hire an attorney, maybe, right? but they're not using buyer and That's obviously the great fear.
0: Yeah. And I think again, it's how the industry responds to this is going to be, is what's going to matter. First of all, there's a lot of inertia in the way this is done now. And I, you know, from what I hear, a lot of countries, you know, and I think this is something Charlie said actually, is that this system is the envy of the world. Right. And, and now it's up to the industry not to blow it. Okay. So this thing comes down now. We have to more and more prove our worth than we had to before because this is going to be something contractual that they really hadn't done before. So I think it's up to the industry whether or not it's just going to be, you know, attorneys doing it. Right. So um, it's still, I mean, I don't think we're, you're as far as you say, nothing changes. Um, it's all about the execution afterwards. Right. So because there is a real threat. If, if agents continue, you know, if, if we don't, if these agents don't get better at the timing of when to ask for these agreements uh, you know, the communication of, of their value of everything else, absolutely we're fucked. Right. So, um, and that could go, that could facilitate this, but what we have on our side now is the inertia of the way the model has been working in the U S forever, 100, over a hundred years, NAR is right. And then hopefully the behavior of these agents moving forward to, Keep that going as long as they can, but you know it's not it's not guaranteed for sure.
1: Okay, so I so given that, then what would you be recommending brokers and agents and MLSs do today? Well, that's your outlook.
0: Well, it's just like when we talked to the agents at GLDR that one time. It's like you know, it's it's an agent and broker thing. Agents have got to get better at demonstrating their value. Number one. Number two is that we've got to come up with the best practices for getting these buyers agreements signed, right? Maybe maybe there's even legislation maybe NAR's lobbying effort makes makes it a requirement like it is in one states for every state in the Union that they have to sign this thing right So that now that's an easy conversation to have, right? Well, I have you know I, I'm not the, the state requires me, you know, to have you sign this contract in order to work together, right? So that's a very easy conversation to have, right? But Um, but
1: here's what I'm getting at. Like, you keep, like, no, I get it, man, right? But there's two issues. Number one, you're assuming that if, once you prove value, the buyer will pay.
0: Well, once you prove value, well, again, if you're successful, they will. But if you're not successful, they're going to You're
1: you're successful. You have have completely convinced the buyer you're absolutely worth 2.5%. Right. My thing is, The buyer can't afford it, and then you go back to the yeah, but you can finance it. That rule is not in place, right? Right.
0: I just don't see any, 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 any. If if that rule doesn't come in place, then we got a fucking huge problem.
1: So if that like you you can't assume that rule is going to come in place. That's that's what I'm getting at, right? So we're making a lot of assumptions.
0: We're making a lot of assumptions here, but if you want to talk, really knows. Okay, so so let's go down a path. Let's let's say. Let's say the well, whatever there's an edict or something that says you can't finance it, right? Right. Yeah, I mean we're in a whole lot. That's a right. that's a way different situation. Right. So let's play right. that so out.
1: Let's play that out. So I'm saying the bike. Okay. No man, you're absolutely fucking worth it. All right, you're absolutely worth every penny you're charging. Just like of Porsche is worth every penny that they're charging. I just can't afford it. Right. So sorry, love you, love to use you, but I'm going to have to go get Fred, right? Who's going to charge me 50 bucks, right? Because I'm i spending every dollar I have to buy this house. I just can't afford it. And then the conversation becomes, yeah, but you know what? The, the seller, in, now in the soft injunction, the seller might pay my commission, right? right. Or will only bid on houses where the seller is offering, is yeah. willing to pay me, right? Right. I mean I
0: suppose well then you you really have to make th- that that's really a hot, a hot shit agent that says listen I know you can't afford it right? but part of my job is to find the right you know house right. and combination of agent right. that they're going to they're going to they're going to basically right. pay that all right, right. so right. and and that's what you're hiring me to do that's right that's right that's right and then then the then the buyer has to make a de- determination of like well <clears throat> If I fall in love, well, again, if they can't afford it, even if they find the house that they love and they can't, they don't want to accept anything else, right? Um, they still well, can't just, afford it, so they're, they're going to you know, need they're going to need an agent that really can that right. can convince somebody else to pay the goddamn right. commission.
1: But that, that's the conversation at that point. It's like, and hey.
0: then it, nothing really changes
1: then, right? It's like, hey, Greg, I love this house. Let's make an offer in this house, right? But as you know, I can't afford to pay you. Yeah. So the offer is literally going to be written as. We will buy buy this house. Here's how much we're going to pay, but only if you, the seller, are willing to pay my agent. Right. right. Here's a bizarre consequence of that. We have now formalized steering.
0: Yeah, in a sense. Right? (laughs) Right?
1: (laughs) Where the buyer's like, hey, man, I could love this house all I want, but unless... They're offering full compensation. I can't. I've mean, Well, I can't.
0: that I think that goes to that would be a an arrow in the quiver of NAR trying to get that that the fact that these things could be financed, because mm-hmm. you can make an argument that says if you don't do this, mm-hmm. you're basically now encouraging steering.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose. But here's the flip side of that, and right. So the first thing was can't afford it, right. The second piece is, I just don't use it. And this is a piece that I like in the industry. I just don't every, use it. What do you mean? I, don't, I just don't do use mean? a buyer agent.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Right. I just go to the listing agent and say, I want to buy this house. Right. Listing agent's like, okay, cool. Uh, hire yourself an attorney or my associate will sign this contract. Right. Right. There's no negotiation. Me and my seller completely take advantage of you. Right. Like, right. You got to yeah. do your own negotiation. You got to do yeah. whatever. But you don't have an agent representing you. Right which is you the know case in the rest of the world
0: but but you know we have that today right what do you mean a, a, a buyer could go hire an attorney say yeah. I want yeah. that house yeah and then yeah. the attorney can go to that that seller's agent and say yeah. I want my client wants to buy that I mean that that can be literally done today and it's probably can done correct that is probably done in some cases we don't know I don't know what the percentage is but right. it's probably being done I don't know correct. how successful they are in that but it probably happens now.
1: But right, but it doesn't happen that much because the norm here is the buyer's like, well, you know, I, my agent's gonna get paid by the seller, so, right. So I'm saying the world, even soft injunction, it could be like, hey man, you're worth every dollar, but I can't afford it. That's one possible scenario. And The second one is you could be worth every dollar, but you know, what? I'm just not gonna use you, and I'm just gonna go buy it myself and try and knock because then I maybe it's uh, you know, the the house can be cheaper, right. Because even right. if it's even if it's hey, I would love this house, but I can only buy it if the seller, you know, offers the compensation. the Seller's gonna be like, well, I guess I'm increasing the price of my house by two and a half percent, right? Because seller's not gonna just take take a hit unless yeah, you're the I, only I, possible again, buyer.
0: Again, both scenarios can be Yeah, right. But both scenarios can happen today too, though.
1: Right. It could happen today. So the point is, if <laughs> this happens, that you know, very rare situation becomes very commonplace.
0: It could, for sure it right. could. Again, I think, as I said before, it's up to the industry to execute, especially in a case where if if the they can't be financed, it's even more mm-hmm. uh, of the, the pressure for the industry to execute on like showing their value. right? Um,
1: so that then brings us something that most outside observers don't really understand, whereas you and I actually kind of know. right? Which is We know that the best agents tend to be the listing agents. Tend to be. Right?
0: I mean, you know, in in some regards, it's like everything's kind of a little backwards, right? So we're always talking about how, you know, little the buyer, you know, the the threat has always been on the buyer's agents commission. But I mean, honestly, who's doing the most work? (laughs)
1: <laughs> right? Depends on the market, man.
0: Well, yeah, but still, I mean, in this, in a lot of cases, it's like, okay, we're going to meet at this time. I'm going to take it and go look at three houses. We're going to make an offer. That offer gets refused. Okay, let's go out next week. I mean, the buyer's agent is work. The listing agent, they get a listing, especially in this market. They sit on their ass and just wait for offers to come in and say, no, 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 yes. And they're the ones, and, and we want to fucking... Compress the fucking buyers' agents thing. Who's out there working their ass off? I mean, yeah, I don't disagree. I, I get it. I mean, I get it. I mean, a listing, and especially in this market, to get a listing, you are—they're gold, right? Yeah. But as far as if you want to talk about the hours put in of work, <laughs> it's the god. It's it's got to be the, the buyer, buyers' yeah.
1: agents. No, yeah. there's no question. No, I'm agreeing. But my point is like at this. But because of that, I think you and I would agree that the top agents tend to be listening. Like the career arc in real estate is you get your license, you're brand new, you come in, right? Maybe you're working for a team, you're doing physical calls, you do whatever, right? You try and build up your book of business. In, in any, in any
0: sales situa- yeah. Right. In any sales situation, the agri- the one who's acquiring Right. That's that's your that's your money. That's your rainmaker. Rainmakers correct. Are always correct, always coveted for sure. Right? So I'm Absolutely. just
1: saying. So like, for maybe the first two three years, you're gonna be a buyer's agent primarily, and then you build your book of business, you gain more experience, and you're gonna transition more and more into listings until some point. And we know some of those guys, like these big team leaders. You know what I mean? They're not doing buyers. They're not driving buyers around. They're yeah. just going to listing appointments and getting yeah. listing after listing. And they have like, buyer agents and their team. I mean, that's just a structured industry as it exists today, right? So from an execution standpoint, the challenge is, OK, those strong listings at the top, agent, they're going to be fine. <laughs> like They're not even relying on the buyer agent commission anyway. That's not, you know, that's like really not their business. Their business is going and getting listings, and I'm going to sell this house for you for top dollar, right? So how does the industry execute when the the specific agents who have to most show their value, most do this convincing, are tend to be the less experienced, less good? You know what I mean? They're 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 just that's just reality. No, like we don't have. I don't. I can't think of a single agent who's like thirty years experience, completely know everything, and I don't do listings. I only work with buyers. I don't know anybody like that. I'm sure they exist. I just don't know anybody like that. Right.
0: Right, but I mean. I think, I mean, listen, it has been a crazy, since the GFC, we've had a ramp. We haven't seen an adjustment in quite a while, right? Um, It's just been go, 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 right? Yeah. But you and I have been in this long enough. when, When it turns and there's a plethora of listings, those buyer agents, the good ones, know how to negotiate because- you know, yeah. and then they re- so I think I think a lot of types of that's market driven, right? So you might get the better agents in a in a buyer's market go to the buyer side because listings could be you know like back yeah, in the back thousand, in two thousand ten. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, there's a tons of listings. Well, you need a good negotiator because to get you the lowest price on yeah. all those things. So I think a lot of that is like the best agents. I mean, it is a bit market driven, right? I mean, because sure. right now. I mean, hell, to find somebody that's actually going to list their house, it's like pulling a rabbit out of your hat, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so, but when it, when, when the market flips and there's a plethora of listings, you know, then that kind of, that, that skill set, you know, you're looking for a different skill set on that, right? So I don't, I don't know if we've been in such a, this kind of market for so long. I don't know if we really, you know, understand. We just forgot what it's like um, back in the day, right?
1: Yeah. But then again, there's very little chance we're ever going to get into a, you know, a buyer's market. Like well, we I mean,
0: you say that, you say that, but I mean, we, you know, if anything I've learned is like the unexpected always fucks and happens, man. I mean, who I knew just, we were going to be in a situation where, yeah, what but, did I read yesterday? Like 94% of people have a, uh, a mortgage less than 6%. And like, like twenty four of them, yeah. Ha- yeah. I mean, we're There's all. No are. I mean, it's like I'm selling my house. Yeah, like, I mean, it's 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 like a an asset. I mean, a,
1: a real yeah, asset. Yeah.
0: yeah. Remember, um,
1: we had this conversation a couple of years back when uh, when uh, Trump and Biden were printing billions and billions of dollars. I remember saying this to you that it used to be that the house was the asset and the loan was a liability. And I'm like, yo, when interest rates are two, three percent and and inflation is eight. It's the loan that's the asset. Yeah. House is the liability because I could have yeah. maintained the fucking house. My loan is the asset. Why? There's no I should have bought way. a bigger house. <laughs> right? You know? yeah, I mean, you know? So, so I, I mean,
0: again, we're making assumptions all over the place. I would say part of that assumption is like, don't assume that we're not going to. I mean, there could be some massive stock market hit that hits everybody on the asset wise, and everybody's got to sell their house no matter what. And now we got we got inventory through the fucking nose, right? So why? Well, I mean, again, we're just making so a subject. I just, and, then, and then what? Where are you, where are you uh, going? You're fucking uh, in the streets. You're, you're living right? in a van down by the river. So, come exactly. on, come on, Greg. Well, I'm just come
1: saying. On. I mean,
0: I, I'm just saying as much as. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm never I think this market has always been cyclical. Would you agree? Of course. Yes, of okay, course. Okay, so hold on. So what you're saying, me from now going to the end of time, there's not gonna be another cycle at all.
1: What I'm saying is I don't see a buyer's market coming about until we have such massive disruption, right? <laughs> that we're not gonna be worried about buyers market, sellers market. What I mean is like literally it would have to be like the dollar has collapsed, the US default on its debt. The okay, I'm flames. just asking. You're saying and, that we you know, could like, have
0: enough. We could. It, 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 there could be a cycle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many years out there, but it, it it could come out there. It could be ten years. It could be five years. I don't know.
1: I mean, it could be next year. Who the hell knows? All I'm saying is, for us, for a buyer's market to come back into the United to the United States, like the scenario has to be like, I I don't even know. Like such massive economic disaster that chances are we're not worried about real estate. Is all I'm getting at, right? On the normal, on the current, like, first of all, let's put it this way. For anyone who ha- who has a loan in the three, like two to 3% range, rates have to come back down to two to 3%. It's never going to happen. That's right. Or it's, you can't say never, don't say never, right? So, never say okay. never. I'm just saying <laughs> the scenario where rates are back down to two to 3%, I can't even imagine it. Like, what does that even look like? No. it's Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So what that means, the Fed is now cutting rates and mortgage rates are now back down to 2% and banks are desperate to loan out money. I'm like, okay, then inflation's what, 40%? Yeah, What's the scenario? I can't even
0: imagine that. And 40%, you know, we've already seen that, what happens when inflation, that's like- Right. That's that's when people start- yeah. that's when people start re- revolting or
1: yeah they, yeah exactly so I'm like we're not going to be worried about a buyer's market when the cities are burning and there's mass mobs in the streets right yeah. so that's why I'm like I don't see a buyer's market like yes it's cyclical but the way we got into this to your point since GFC which has inflated the money like crazy like okay well
0: let's oh. let's say let's not say it's a buyer's market but even I think even the value proposition of a buyer's agent in a yes. more normal market is, yes. is elevated. Okay. Okay, so sure. Let's, let's, sure. Let's, let's- let's stick with that. Let's right? there, okay.
1: What I'm getting at is a structured industry, like um, that's the question I'm asking because really what I wanted this to be about was you and me talking about, you know, if we were advising brokers, agents, like, okay, apocalypse happened. Here's what you need to be thinking about. Here's what you need to prepare for. And guys like, uh, you know, other consultancies, I know like uh, uh, T36, I just saw an email, like they just did a webinar, Right, where they're telling brokers, like, here's how you can prepare for what's coming. You know that I have a much more of a doomsday type approach. Shocking. I'm leaving that to the side. Right? I'm saying, let me try and replicate kind of your, and, you know, your sort of like approach to things. I'm just sitting here, okay, then what do you do? And the, one of the biggest things that I'm coming up with is the structure of our industries are, it tends to be that the very best agents with most experience who are most capable of having those types of conversations with clients tend to be listing agents. That the buyer agents tend to be the less experienced, they tend to be part-timers, you know, they tend to be the ones who are specifically not that good at having those conversations, right? That's what I'm wondering about. So, how does this execution happen? Right? That's what I'm getting at. So brokers go out to this training. You're talking about training basically your bottom 60% of the agents. Right? Well, when you
0: say bottom, I mean Let's let's just call them new, right? You're you're chaining new agents, right? New, because I think percent- you're right. I think I think when you come in the industry, I think a lot of times, yeah, the, the first thing they have you do is like go out with some buyers, yeah, right, and that's yeah. how you kind of learn the trade, right? And yeah. you know, and, yeah. and 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 I will tell you a lot of times. I mean, um, my my mother is an agent for for instance, um, her satisfaction came from helping families buy a home. And it was it was driven from that. That's what they found the value in what they did. It wasn't like you know they were really competent and good. It wasn't like a that. That's where they found themselves the most fulfilled, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I don't know if we want to lump everybody into their inexperience and part timers. A lot of agents. That's why they got into it. It's because they they found this family a home, and that 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 fulfills. You know, no, I get you. Their, but I'm
1: 100 I'm agree. I'm just pointing out though. The reality is, it, again, if you look at the production, if you look at the top producers, I don't know of a single top producing agent who's like, I don't do listings. I only work with buyers, right? Whereas right. I know a ton of top producers like, I don't do buyers. I only do listings, right? Right? Because to your point, it's list to last. If you get a listing, chances are you're going to make money. If you work with buyers, man, you could spend a fucking year work with a buyer. Right. You know, driving around every weekend and then like after six months of working with them, they're like, we change them out, we're going to rent.
0: Right. Or or we we found, you know, we we met Barbara at an open house Mm -hmm. and she's writing up the offer for us.
1: Right. I mean, we know (laughs) shit like this happens. It sucks. I mean, I totally get it. So I'm just saying the incentive structure in the industry just kind of works that way. So given that in this sort of industry structure, what I'm then asking is, okay, fine, I'm a broker, I have 200 agents. I want to prepare for apocalypse. The big challenge is I'm going to sort of my the bottom six, but you could call them new, you call them part time, you could call it whatever, right? You have to go to them and train them up to talk about their value proposition when they're the least experienced. When they're because at the same time, if the market turns, whatever, some top listing agents like you know at thirty years experience, I've done whatever, you know, a hundred thousand transactions. Hey, Mister Buyer, let me help you. Right. They're gonna prove prove their value proposition Yeah. I mean
0: easier, and, right. In and to me, what that sounds like is an opportunity, right? Because in any company, you're gonna have new employees and the best companies are the ones that commu- that communicate a sense of culture, that mm-hmm. communicate that have good training programs, yep, and are able to turn new employees into, you know, Especially Experience in sales credits. and, to, yep. and, to, and to, to seasoned professionals, right? Yep. So yep. that's that happens today, right? I mean, yep. every I'm sure every broker is trying to get these newbies to yep. be more productive,
1: right? Yep. So here's where, I, I mean, it sounds completely like a left turn, 90 degree left turn, but I don't think it is. So one of the things, since none of us know what's going to happen, right? One of the things for a brokers specifically, you've got to think about W-2. Mm. Right, Because especially these newer, the bottom 60% agents, they're the ones least likely to show up to a training. They're the ones least likely to implement the things that you're telling them to do. Right. So if something like this happens, you have to think W2 because that way you can force them to attend. Because you I brought n- the word employee, you're right. If this is a normal sales organization, be like congratulations, we just hired you. You're a brand new sales agent. Here's what you're going to do.
0: But, but what if, I mean, what if, what have we learned with Redfin, right? Redfin, Glenn has come has said this. The employee model in these kind of cyclical or these changing markets doesn't really work that well because, you know, all of a sudden interest rates are way high and I've got fucking 90 people on my agent staff. Um, They're not eating what they kill. Hold on. And, you know, mass layoffs, right? So I think, again, going back to like, you know, I don't think, I, uh, and again, it goes back to execution. I think right now, people that are you know just ten ninety nine people—that's what they are now—independent yep. contractors. The best brokerages, the best franchisors, the best teams put in there uh, a sense of culture, a sense, uh, a good training programs where.
1: They're not having problems when they sign up a new agent that's to come to their meetings. That's utter horseshit. Come on, no, Greg. No, of course. Of course. No, it's not com- horseshit. It's- oh, so so name, name a 1099 brokerage that's having this amazing time of having agents implement what they tell them to do and attend all the training classes.
0: Well, I mean, it's not, it's not a hundred percent all the time, but there are Is some brokerages do, hold on. There are some brokerages that do way better than others and it's based on the execution.
1: Oh, okay. What's way better? Give me percentage. Cause I can well, tell I, you right now, do you look at again, like tech implementation? It's in single digits.
0: Right. I mean, first of all, sales. And, and again, I haven't run a brokerage at all, but I mean, I can tell you that if you're running a good like call center, sure, more than half of your resources are in recruitment, right? So sure. you have to keep that pipeline going because not everybody's cut out for this business, right?
1: Is the call center operator being paid? Are they W-2 or are they 1099?
0: Well, typically what it is, it's a, such a low base right? That you've got to promise if they're successful that they're going to actually make a uh, decent living wage, totally, right?
1: Totally. Right. We're not talking about compensation structure. My point is that call center operator has to show up for work on time. They're in, they're in their desk by nine. They have to make these many calls. That's not a real estate agent's life though, right? I mean, I it's understand. not like... No, yeah. I that's my point, man. You're making... My, my point is you cannot... You can talk execution and that's what I'm doing, right? I don't believe that you can execute to the level you need to with 1099s because they will just ignore But that's the way you. the industry's been running for 100 years. And then you have to then expect enormous attrition. Those agents aren't going to make it.
0: Well, Your No, I mean, I, I, that's what you happens got, now. Real estate is a very aspirational business, and there's a fucking shitload of turn, churn, but what happens is there's a whole other block of agents that want to run into this anyway because it's aspirational, right? So, I mean, that... but. If what you're but saying is true, execution. if we could never do this.
1: But where's the no? You can do this, and here's the thing: I've never heard Glenn Kelman say, "Well, in this type of market, W two model doesn't work." What he said is, "In this type of in this type of environment, we have to lay people off." But his agents go to every training.
0: Well, they also use partner agents, right? Sometimes he's he uses partner, partner agents in the markets. Right. Hold on, and and some markets it's not yeah. viable yeah. to hire people, right? Yes. So he asked. Yes. So I mean, it's yes. it's.
1: It's different. Right, but they're not his agents. They're partner well, agents, exactly. So all I'm getting at is, I think brokerages have to look at W-2. If execution becomes a critical thing, post-apocalypse. Apocalypse happened, right? Uh, you now need to have your buyer agents go out and really talk to consumers and prove their value and get the consumer to agree to pay them. Right? Again- you it, it, You have to. And this notion of sense of culture is going to get it done. I'm sorry. I haven't seen it.
0: Listen, Rob, just because, and you fucking know this too. Just because you pay somebody doesn't mean they're going to be a good employee. Doesn't mean they're gonna execute. Doesn't mean they're gonna be a seasoned vet. Right. You still have to have all these other things in place to make that happen. So to poo-poo culture, to poo-poo training, to poo-poo. Whether it's on the fucking non the W-2 or the 1099, right, it does matter, right? And I think Um, to just, just by saying, waving a magic wand, saying, well, once we pay him a base salary, everything's good is, 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 is complete bullshit.
1: No, of course it's bullshit. My point is I'm not poo-pooing culture. I'm not poo-pooing any of that. My point is we have a, do you want to talk about real estate culture? It's every, you're your own business, (laughs) right? You're your own business. Come on board. Just, you know, work your, whatever hours you want. This is super flexible. Like. How the fuck you implement like culture? You need that with employees that you can say, "Hey guys, we're gonna have a meeting at eight a.m. Monday morning. Everyone be there, right?" And if they don't work out, there's no culture. There's they're bad employee. You fire them, right? Like you can fire a ten ninety nine. Well, no, you can't. You just you just remove your affiliation right? But the okay, fact, well, is, <laughs> it's just, fact but is, you just, you, whatever all you want this to call it. about execution. You're saying that without the W 2, you, you can just rely on culture and uh, whatever to get them to do. No,
0: that's just uh, not. No, I'm, I'm saying you're overstating the value of a base salary.
1: I didn't say nothing about base salary, I said W 2. Well, W 2. I think a, I've W-2. Been a salesperson who's W 2. 100% okay. percent so, submission, W. Oh, okay. Well all right. right. Okay. I've I've done that. That's retail. Most retail works that way. Right? But the issue is you then have to follow like then the execution piece works. Right. Without that, I don't I don't actually know
0: So how if if you're works. a W two, what's the difference between a W two commission only employee and a ten ninety nine employee in your head?
1: In my head, if you're W two, you have to be paid a minimum. There's a draw against commission. No, but it's a draw against.
0: Right. So you're tweaking that a bit. I mean, what? it's still a base salary.
1: Kind of, except that if you don't make your quota, they fire you. <laughs> they make that very clear. Right. Here's your right. sales quota. You have to hit this number. Otherwise, you're fired. Now, here's the thing we're on the hook until you hit that quota. We have to pay you this because it's minimum wage. Right. Plus, I have to give you benefits. That's just part of. Yeah, that's a
0: big cost, yeah.
1: Yeah, and Social Security and unemployment, all that stuff. On the flip side, when I say training 8 a.m. Monday, you have to show up, right? You don't get to just like make your own hours. That's not how shit works, right? And that's as a commission, 100% commission W-2 employee. So what we're talking about, it's not a compensation-based salary. It's not that. It's are you working for the brokerage or not? And in our industry today, the way things is, you don't work for the brokerage, the broker works for you. And when this apocalypse happens, I think brokerages are going to do exactly what you said. They're going to try and train. They're going to try and do those things. They're going to, have to go to their agents and be like, hey, man, you need to really prove your value. Here's the script that you want to use. Here's the exclusive buyer agency agreement you need to do. Here's how you need to be doing things. And unfortunately... The majority of agents will completely ignore the shit out of all of that under the current structure, is my point. Cause you look at training courses, what percentage of agents attend training? Right? It's not 70, 80%, bro. It's like five, ten percent.
0: Right? again I, I I say this and you know, there's no way to prove this, but I would I would definitely bet on a guy, a, a person, a brokerage. 1099 with good culture, good training, you know, all those things. And I would bet on that guy over a W nine place, W two place, sorry, where they're going to give you a little bit of benefits and a draw and whatever. And it's a shitty culture, a shitty training or whatever. I would bet on the fucking first guy all day. I, I would, you know, I would want to say, I'm going to go to somebody. I'm going to say to you, listen, I'm going to make you fucking rich. Just do what I say. Okay. Right. Versus, like, the other guy coming into the guy was like, "Well, be here tomorrow at twelve. Bye. You're, you're. We're paying you, and you better so, be here." I mean, again, yeah. it's all about yeah. that. I think. I think. To me, <laughs> it, it, I would bet on that first guy all oh, live long fucking day, Rob.
1: <laughs> this is so bizarre. I get this. I get this argument offered to me all the time. Aren't you W two? Me? Yeah. Isn't currently, Lone Wolf? Is Lone Wolf made of ten ninety nines? Currently, yes. Wait, so think about Lone Wolf as a company, right? So because they're W two, does Lone Wolf have real mm-hmm. shitty culture?
0: No, I mean there's there's lone good culture. Great culture. Exactly. There's a lot of there's a. Exactly. But again, it's a, it's exactly. execution. Wait, you're saying you're saying you're no, a, a, no, w- a shitty W two company is going to beat a great w ten ninety nine? You're literally going.
1: It's going to be this I think all oh, I'm saying is I think you're overemphasizing your W2 is shitty. I'm I think like, you're no, overemphasizing W2 have great I think culture. you're overemphasizing a fucking W2 company. That's all I'm saying. No, because though, here's the thing. The the exactly the thing that exactly this is my point. W2 companies still have to have great culture. If you have shitty culture, then you know you suck anyway. It doesn't matter what you W2 1099 cuz it's all going to implode. My thing is I know in, I know plenty of brokerages where they have great culture, great training, and their execution is still like maybe fifteen percent.
0: Well, Rob, I don't so know what you're. De- you I don't know gotta what you're both, fucking man. defining you as w- as, as not culture. successful or successful. Because if they're not successful, then they don't have great culture. They don't have all those other things because it's not fucking working. If they were doing it correctly, Dude, it'd be working.
1: If, if you're doing fifteen percent, uh, you know, adoption rate, right? In the current environment, it's fine because the current environment. What we're talking about is apocalypse happen. You now need to go and train up and get your agents to execute. I mean, that's that's your words. You have to execute. I'm saying, yo, do you to execute? Is you got to have great culture? Yes, but you got to do in a W two context. You have some control, which my teams will be able to execute. Brokers are gonna have a real tough time. So my point simply is, if I'm a broker, on top of all the other things that I have to think about, I have to train my agents to do this, exclusive buyer disagreement, blah, 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 explaining this, prove your value, blah, blah, blah. On top of all that, my point is, you have to think about W-2 as a brokerage. You have to. Because how the fuck are you going to get your agents to adopt anything you're putting out? Because your current success rate, if you have great culture, is probably 20%.
0: That's I point. think, Right. My point is that, and I agree with you on this thing. We need to step up the game. Agents going forward need to step up their game. Brokers yes. is going forward needs to step up our our game, right? So that's yeah. what I said in the beginning. I mean, it's yes. uh, it's about okay. execution. Okay. Yes. So the difference here is like you're saying that as a device, as a tool to do this, brokers just need to look at W two. Right. Yes. I'm not sure. I have. I'm not sure if I think that's. The the silver bullet, right? The, I mean, it could be a tool. Maybe they look at it, but I'm not. I'm not here to say that they couldn't do it otherwise within the existing structure we have now, right? I guess I'm sure, and I I don't know if you're saying that either, right? No, but I'm saying I, I'm just putting no. less of a a less of a thing of like you need to implement W two. I don't. I'm not. I think you could still make it work in the current business models we have now.
1: Uh, I, what I'm saying is, you could say that it could blah blah. blah. The, hist- the evidence to date right, is the companies so with really strong culture, right? great training, their adoption rate is in like <laughs> high single digits, low double digits on their agent base.
0: I'll give you another. The evidence today is that last year, more people used real, real estate agents than ever before.
1: Okay. What does that have to do with brokerages uh, well, to- executing? More, 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 people are. I mean, so then these people, these Asians that then, you're then, talking then, about. Then, then what did they have to execute? Why did they have to execute anything? Everything is fine. Last year, more people. Why did they have to execute anything?
0: No, I'm just saying. You're saying this yeah. model is broken now, but We're yet, about yet more execution. people are fucking. But you're but more people have used real estate agents than ever before. Right. So then in this broken model then of why, yours.
1: Why execute anything, Greg?
0: Everything no, I mean fine. why execute uh, anything? Maybe maybe the execution we're doing now isn't so as bad as you're saying it is because more people are using agents than ever before.
1: So if things have changed, we now need to execute and step up. Okay, you've stepped up and you have 15% of agents stepping up. That's success to you. That sounds like execution.
0: Well, we'll see what we'll see what the numbers, you know, come up with, right? But I mean <laughs>
1: I mean I, just, I think I'm stating an obvious reality everyone understands. All the brokers know they don't. No, I guarantee don't you everybody's on my side on this one, Rob. <laughs> no, they, they, they love talking <laughs> culture. They love talking all that because they're happy with 10% adoption rate. Because that works in today's environment. If what we're saying is post-apocalypse, y'all need to step up and you need to get a lot more than 10% adoption rate. I'm not saying it's a silver bullet. I'm saying it's something you got to think about. Right? right. I think how are you going to get adoption to 80%? Let, let's put it that way. How as a broker, do you get your agents, 80% of your agents to do what you tell them to do?
0: Right. And I, again, I don't think a, 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 a draw salary is as effective as you think it is. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Okay,
1: fine. How do you get 80% adoption?
0: What what is the old saying? It's like if you if you want to if you want to have a, a, if you want to have men on a boat, you have to give them a love for the sea, right? Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a motivational thing. It's a again, it goes back to culture, training, all these other things sure. um, that that I think are more of a factor than just the paycheck, right? Um, and, and, and it, you think and that again, I don't know if we're going, we're going round and round here, bro. We're going right.
1: It's here. a simple thing. How do you get 80% adoption? <laughs> yeah. How do you get 80% of your agents to do what you need them to do?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, so we know yeah. that Redfin agents are the most productive out there, right? Yeah. And yet, where's their stock at?
1: Who gives a shit what their stock is? They can get 100% adoption. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about executing a pivot because the environment has changed. That's what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, and again, I'll go back to like, has it really though? I mean, again, okay, consumers, that, consumers have argument, these choice. consumers have these choices
1: now, sure. right? Greg, so what you're saying is nothing will change. So, hey, brokers, you don't need to, to execute anything.
0: No, I'm not saying that. Okay, I'm just, if you again, have to execute I, again, again, I. I, I, I just think if you're, your dog disagrees with you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, shut up, Molly. <laughs> all, I, all I'm saying, I think, is that it, I'm not putting as much emphasis on that that sure. drug thing sure. than you are. Sure, right? That's fine. I think
1: okay, that's fine. That's all, that so. Let's just you know let's wrap up with this. That's fine. Okay. You don't have to like the W two. You could so fine go 10.99. Build a great culture. The question for brokerages to answer, then post-apacos, whether it's soft or hard injunction, is how do you get 80% of your agents to implement?
0: I mean, you're pulling that number out of your ass, I guess, but I I don't know if you you need 80% to actually make it
1: happen again. If you, so as lone wolf, if you promulgate a new company policy, what percentage of of your people have to implement it?
0: Oh, God. You know what, Rob? If I could get the employees to do what I want them to do, that's, and, and, and sometimes and that's I get managed. 50, sometimes yeah. I get 100, sometimes I get 20%, right? It just depends.
1: Really? Yeah. If it's like an important thing, this well, is I mean, important again, for a company, this again, is really important for our success.
0: Wait. We emphasize. There's a lot of things we want them to do, and we we try to focus on the things that we think are more more important too. But I don't get eighty percent adoption on all the things that I'd like them to do. I fucking wish. I mean, uh, I think I'm a good manager, quote unquote.
1: But oh, um, Lord. my my experience living in a corporate world is you get a hundred percent adoption because the twenty percent who don't adopt get fired. Yeah.
0: I mean, I you know, I, I wish everybody turned in their expense reports within sixty days. That doesn't fucking happen. Well,
1: clearly that's not that important. Well, right? I mean, again, it, it depends, clearly you know, that's import- not, but it's yeah. no important shit like you know what? A client has called you, you have to return that call within twenty four hours. You keep fucking that up, guess what? You're getting fired. You're getting fired. I don't know what to tell you. Hey, your job is in sales, a client has left you five Listen, voicemails, I, I, you didn't return might, that call. It, it might You're be getting because fired. I,
0: Again, it might be just because I've been managing salespeople for so long and they're all fucking weirdos. And it seems like those guys that are like the hippie dippies, but you know what? They bring in a whale every three months on a fucking whatever basis and they don't do anything I want them to do, but they still make it happen and I have to like live right. with this guy that sure. you know yeah. or girl that is doing this and I and I, I don't fire them because I know yeah. Yeah, they have well, their I'm, way I of doing it. things. It's
1: we're not talking about unimportant shit that we're talking about something critical, right? This execution you gotta do is, hey man, the environment's changed. You need to somehow still get paid. We're not talking about, we want you to smile more in the office. You know, we're not talking about some fucking, you know, the, the latest social, like you need to support Ukraine or some shit. We're talking about like, you need to do these things to continue to get paid. So let's, let's, let's wrap up. Let's leave it here. The question is, how do you get 80%, 100% execution of a new environment, new things? You have to get your agents to do this. How do you get there? My argument is, Great culture, absolutely, but you gotta look at W two. That's all I'm saying. All right, you're saying fuck W two. Doesn't matter. Let's hear from our audience. How are you? What's your plan br- with brokers who are listening to get well, not even 100, 80 percent adoption, right, by your agents, if the environment changes? Is that fair? Is that a decent place? Well, to Well, I mean,
0: that? you're, that's your that's your opinion. That you this. I don't know where the 80 percent comes from, but uh, well, that's your, your opinion. Sure. What's your percentage? Again, I don't have a percentage in my head. I mean, it's just <laughs> you want to you want to get out there and get a good team together and, and execute, okay. right? And I mean, it's a little can, more. Fu- maybe I'm more fuzzy than the analytical Rob Hahn here. Yeah,
1: super fuzzy. So it's like, hey, five percent executed, so that's good enough, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will manage. I will manage my way to success. I will try to find the right team to make it happen.
1: Cool, no doubt about it. All right. Uh, mommy and daddy fighting, so let's leave it there. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, this is another one of those episodes I really kind of want to hear from our listeners. Like, if you're a brokerage, what is acceptable execution for you? How are you going to get there? How are you going to get there? Absolutely. So, with that said, we have to wrap. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us argue. <laughs> Hopefully, this was useful for you. <laughs> thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, everyone.